Today, this morning, is a feast Sunday. Uh, for those of us who are part of the church, uh, feast Sundays are communion Sundays for us where the Lord's Supper is the message. We gather around that. And so oftentimes we have someone from the congregation would come and give a reflection about communion or about what God has been doing in their life. This Sunday, sorry, you just get me uh, to speak some about what God has been doing in my life. And um, also one thing I want to mention to you about Feast Sunday, we've actually in, uh, added on to, it's now just not just the feast, it's the feast and fellowship. So today, after the service, we are going to be putting tables out. People have brought food to share. If you didn't bring food, that's fine. There's going to be plenty of extras, so please uh, stay and share. It's a great opportunity to sit around tables, to talk with each other, to uh, maybe pray with each other, to just find out what's going on um, in each other's lives. So that will be uh, right after the service. Call it feast and fellowship. The last few weeks, I have been captured by gratitude. I've been captured by gratefulness. As we've been uh, working through uh, specific, uh, specifically Psalm 138 and Psalm 40, uh, today, this morning, Linda read it this morning again during worship, talking about gratitude, uh, gratefulness to the Lord God. I've been looking forward to this feast, uh, to this Sunday, to speak about it, to speak of how gratitude and gratefulness are central to our faith. It's interesting, we gather around the Lord's table and it um, has many different names. Uh, who here knows this meal by the term communion? How many people? Yeah, communion, very common one. What about the Lord's Supper? People know that one. Or the Lord's Table? Yeah, that one. How many people here know this as the Eucharist? Just a few, right. Eucharist, that's uh, often in, in certain churches they refer to the Lord's Supper uh, or communion as Eucharist. Uh, it's interesting. Does anybody know what Eucharist means? Who? Somebody? Eucharist is a, is a Greek word meaning uh, thankfulness or thanksgiving. This meal, um, in many traditions, many different denominations, is referred to as thanksgiving, as giving thanks to the Lord. And I wonder, too, if maybe that, um, the, word, or the, t- the title Eucharist comes from, maybe perhaps from Jesus when he... Um, gave us this meal on the night that he's betrayed. He took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, here's my body, or this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took, cup, he took the cup, and after he had given thanks, gratitude and giving thanks is central to this meal. <clears throat> I wonder what would happen if, um, if Eucharist um, was more a part of our understanding of communion. I, many of the traditions, uh, before, um, before I was called to this church, Chase, Trace and I worked in a Reformed church in Vancouver. And um, I remember communion was an extremely reverent Sunday. And they had it once a month. And whenever we talked about having more than that, they always said, no, thank you. We'd like to have it just once a month so that we have the week before to prepare and in that church, communion was a chance of, um, was especially uh, associated with repentance. Um, Lord, please forgive me. And they would like to take that week to prepare before they came to communion. And so it was a bit more of a somber uh, meal. I remember uh, some people in that church when we first began, on, you know, most Sundays they would wear kind of business casual, but then on Sundays, on communion Sundays, they would wear sometimes a suit and tie. Um, because it's such a reverent time for them. And it reminds me, because it, it seemed to be more of a somber meal. 
people would gather around this meal uh, in the church that we came from, and it was uh, somewhat quiet and very self-reflective. Lord, please search me. But I'm wondering what would happen, too, if we included uh, Thanksgiving into this meal. And we talk about it here a lot, uh, that this meal not only is a meal of reflection, but also a taste of celebration, a taste of what it will be like the one day when we all sit at the table of the Lord, we sit at the Lord's table in heaven, when heaven has come down, and we gather around this table and we celebrate and we praise God for who he is. And so I think about us and how things might develop in our church family if we were also not just thinking of this as communion or doing this in remembrance of the Lord, but also Eucharist, giving thanks. Lord, we are grateful. It's interesting um, that Jesus gave us this on the night that he was betrayed. And if, I, if you would uh, listen to this passage again. Um, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So he gives this meal, and it gathers us around the idea of gratitude. Gratitude is central to this meal, and this meal is central to our faith, one of the sacraments that we celebrate. It throws weight on the idea of gratitude. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were working through Psalm 138 of how important gratitude is in our faith. In numerous letters to the churches that Paul writes, he constantly encourages them to give thanks. Give thanks in all things. Gratitude is an important, it's an imperative, it's a central part of our faith. I've been thinking some about gratitude these last few weeks and some of the changes that it's been doing in me. Um, and it's funny this, the way I'm relating. It's funny how the connections in my mind work. But um, a few months ago, Tracy told me to, that I should take turmeric. Um, I just turned 40 uh, this week. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and so... I think part of my midlife crisis is I started working out more uh, last fall. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and my knees were um, stiff. And, and Tracy, we had some good friends who said, you know what, they, they said turmeric has really helped them. They don't have any pain anymore. So she said I should start taking turmeric. And, and I don't know about many of you, but I'm pretty skeptical about the natural, the herbal remedy sort of thing. I said, whatever. <laughs> I guess. Sure. I'll try it. So started taking it, and thankfully it's in a pill. I don't know if anybody in here knows what turmeric, but it's that orange uh, powder that's in a lot of Indian food, so it's kind of a different uh, spice. I mean, it tastes great in Indian food, but um, you have to eat like a spoonful of it, not so great. So anyway, she got me these capsules of it, and, um, and so I started taking it. And 
I didn't notice anything miraculous. It wasn't like I took it and three days later I was pain-free. That's not what happened. But after a few weeks, I don't know, maybe a month or two, I realized um, that my knees didn't hurt as much anymore. And so I am a believer now. (laughs) Look at she's smiling. (laughs) Which is funny because she's like almost always right. Not always. But almost always right. So, um, so I'm wondering if this gratitude is maybe like the turmeric in my life. I'm hoping. I'm already seeing how practicing gratitude, maybe it doesn't make everything, maybe it doesn't fix everything the next day. Maybe some of you might. Maybe there's something that you are wrestling with right now, something that is plaguing you, something that weighs heavy on you. And gratitude might just switch that around. But I would say from my experience um, that over the long run, gratitude does heal us. It does undo our angst. Gratitude does um, reduce, it does soothe our anger about life or about hurt. Gratitude reduces our angst and our anxiety. I've been working through this little phrase that that it's hard to be angry and be grateful. That we won't stay grumpy if we are grateful. And I find this, we um, talk about this with our boys. Um, uh, One of our boys uh, is especially passionate. That's the the kinder word that we use, <laughs> especially passionate. And we talk with him about giving thanks for things when he's really upset. He's still pretty young, so it's still hard for him to do that. But I've been working on that, to give thanks uh, when I'm frustrated or when I'm irritated. So gratitude uh, is something like turmeric soothing me a bit. But I also realized this too in the last while. And... Um, that there are certain things in my life um, um, the last couple of years um, with Tracy's health and now her recovery that I've been anxious. Um, and, and I realize that when we are grateful, it's hard to resent the past and it's hard to be afraid of the future when we are grateful for the present. And yesterday... Um, I wasn't able to go to uh, Mr. Bull's birthday party because Tracy had had a party at our place. And, and I'm standing on the deck and I'm looking over our friends and our family and they're all having fun. And I'm grateful. I wasn't resentful of past things. I wasn't worried about future things that may or may not happen. I was grateful for that moment. How gratitude does that in us. And it's interesting. The, to understand this some more, uh, Tracy suggested that I read uh, some of Anne Voskamp's book, 10,000 Gifts, or 1,000 Gifts. And I don't know, if anybody read that? Uh, Anne Voskamp is a, she's a writer, uh, she's a farmer and a mother, and um, she lives in, I think it's Saskatchewan, in Canada here. And um, she talks, she's, in this book, she's reflecting on giving thanks. And the whole book is about giving thanks. And in the second chapter, she's talking some about Eucharist. 
about the Greek word eucharisto, meaning I give thanks. And it's interesting, you, you can read the chapter more to get more of it, but um, uh, charis is the central word here. It's the Greek word for grace. So you have charis, grace. You have eucharist, which is giving thanks. And you have kara, which is joy. And I haven't read the whole book yet, but I think she's going to make this connection with the grace that we receive, charis. And when we are grateful, eucharisto, our life is filled with joy, kara. That giving thanks leads to life more full, life more faithful. Maybe not life more easy, but life more full with joy. And she makes this connection with, um, with the ten lepers in Luke's gospel. Let me just read this parable to you. Or sorry, not a parable, this, this story from Jesus' life. He says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. And it's interesting, I, um, I know that story. I'm not sure that I've preached it yet, so I haven't studied it um, uh, in depth. But I do know that what, um, and in her reflection on it, she says in the end when he says, when Jesus speaks to the one who returns, and he says, go, your faith has made you well. Um, that's our English translation. That's the NIV's translation. And I checked a few others, and they usually say, has made you well. In Greek, it's actually, your faith has uh, sozo, which is the Greek word for saved. Your faith has saved you. And I think it's, um, I think for, just to avoid any sort of theological ambiguity, you know, the English translations, they say it has healed you, has made you well. But I wonder if in the Greek, they, if Luke didn't maybe mean a little bit more ambiguity. Not that being grateful somehow equates to our salvation. But what if being grateful is imperative, is directly linked to our sanctification, to our growing in faith? That when we're grateful, our faith grows. When we're ungrateful, or when we take God for granted or grace for granted, that our faith is stunted. And I see Anne making this, Miss Voskamp, making this connection between kara, or charis, which is grace, and eucharist, thankfulness, and kara, joy, and that that is part of our salvation, that is part of our sanctification, that being grateful is how we grow. And in this passage, um, at the beginning of the chapter, she has a quote from an Orthodox priest, and author, his name is Alexander uh, Schwemann. He says, this is what he writes, he says, so hear this word Eucharist, hear it both ways. Hear it both as thankfulness and as this meal. 
Eucharist is the state of perfect man. Eucharist is the gift of paradise. Oh, sorry, Eucharist is the life of paradise. Eucharist is the only full and real response of a person to God's creation, redemption, and gift of heaven. Today, as we move towards this table, let us move with gratitude, giving thanks for this Thanksgiving meal, for this meal and everything it means for us.